Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm Casey. And I'm Sarah. And we are Relatively Dark. Okay, guys. Today, it's my turn. It's your turn. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm more excited. I don't know about it. I know about it. (laughs) Okay. So today we are going to talk about the Kentucky Cannibal. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Uh, My main resource for this is a book titled The Kentucky Cannibal. It was written by Ryan Green. Um, I want to point out, though, that a lot of the stuff in his stories are written from a perceived perspective of the characters. Okay. So, even though there are a lot of facts and stuff in there, it's like he puts himself in that position, or tries to. Like, of the victims and stuff? Yeah. A lot of those are probably speculation, because I don't think we really have a way of knowing thoughts and feelings of a dead person. So. Right. Anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. This is the story about the Kentucky Cannibal. Dun, 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 dun. Mr. Levi Boone Helm. He's mostly referred to as Boone. He was born on January 28th in 1828 in Lincoln County, Kentucky. His parents were Joseph and Nancy Helm. They had 11 children. There were seven older and three younger than Boone. Holy crap. Yes. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot of babies. So, back then that was normal though. They got to tend the farms. Right. So, and this was also 1828, so long time ago. <laughs> 200, almost. Yeah, just a hop and a skip and a jump. <laughs> uh, so, um, Joseph, his father, he worked on ranches or farms for small wages. Told you. Right? <laughs> um, but, depending on the weather and the time of year, they had to move to find work. So, they were moving around a, a lot. Okay. Um, they weren't wealthy even though he worked a lot the wealthy ones at this time were people who owned their own land because even Mm. though they had to to work for it they did have free food and free housing his parents were really good people but they were constantly struggling with 11 children so he worked all the time but they never quite had enough they lacked food and their clothes were always patched Mm. they heard about uh, settlement opportunities in missouri and they decided to head out that way um, where they ended up moving to. It was extremely close to the Santa Fe Trail, which I looked up the best to my knowledge. <laughs> I'm not going to guarantee 100% on any of this stuff that I tell you or anything is. But the Santa Fe Trail was like the north central part of Missouri. Okay. Um, I didn't know much about the Santa Fe Trail. I'm not, I know nothing. I wasn't good with um, history either. So, um, But... The Santa Fe Trail was used by travelers heading west for the gold rush and back east with, like, their riches and stuff to trade or back for families or whatever. So, because of where the Helm family was located, they became really successful Mm. because that trail was right there. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So, they also became very well respected. They had a great work ethic, and they helped anyone who needed it. That's good. Yes. So, they became kind of like what they lacked in Kentucky they got here basically in Missouri so now we're going to talk about Boone as a child um he always wanted to be the best he was a bully he used his fist as much as if not more than his words to get people to respect him and stuff basically just his peers or whatever he was really large and strong for his age too so I'm working on that farm yeah exactly it's funny because I didn't have that, but oh. you knew. <laughs> I got you. All right. Um, he was also really clever, and he was cruel. Um, rough housing and sparring with Boone ended up with Boone on top of some of the other boys, and sometimes he had to be pulled off before anything even worse happened. So he's a little turd nugget. But he's more than a turd nugget. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a quote from Ryan Green's book that I thought was um, pretty neat, the way he encompassed everything. Um, but it said that it went beyond childish pikes of temper, because despite his savagery, Boone never actually seemed to be angry. So he just did it because he liked to fight. Yes. He ended up with a horrible reputation. He was arrogant and he didn't care. Well. Yeah. Off to a great start. <laughs> um, 
as a teenager, he would challenge grown men to boxing matches or whatever, and he would win. He grew older, and he just started fights with people just to show that he was the toughest. His parents and siblings basically quit having anything to do with him. They were ashamed of him. Yeah. Um, He ended up getting the attention of the Missouri law, finally. Yeah. Not surprising. I mean, back then, they don't really interfere with a whole lot, but... It ended up to the point where he ended up with an arrest warrant after a fight at the local saloon. See, it's, I think that says a lot if, like, back in the old western days, the law is after you. Because yeah, they be shooting people in the streets and just... Yeah. That is one of the things I actually liked about this story. Because it, it gets pretty crazy. <laughs> so, um, after he found out about the warrant, Boone Helm, <laughs> he rode into the courthouse on his horse. What? Yes. He was throwing a fit. He was, like, basically daring whoever put the warrant out on him to confess, who dared do this to him. He was yelling, cussing, making threats. He really has some big kahunas. Uh, yeah. Okay, but listen. The judge ends up dropping the warrant and waives any court fees. So he has the judge under his bully thumb, too. Yeah, like, I guess everybody's just afraid of him. Apparently, it's recorded as him saying... On his way out, oh God. he stops by the sheriff and says, better luck next time, boys. <laughs> I'm just picturing I mean, this question, <laughs> better luck next time, boys. Well, I, I guess I was thinking of it more as like a low threat, you know, like, oh. I don't know, or just like bragging, but more of like a low, like, you can't touch me. Gotcha. But We went two different places <laughs> with that. But I mean, yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. But for Boone, that still wasn't enough. He thought of the warrant as an insult. Of course he did. Yeah, and he wanted revenge. But this time he actually couldn't do anything because he couldn't just kill the sheriff. But that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, by this point, he was just ready for murder. It was... That escalated very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's what he wanted. Like, crazy. He's insane. He's insane. At about 20 years old, he married Lucinda Browning with the approval of both families. Um... He was horribly abusive to her after they got married. Of course. Um, the law didn't uh, get involved because at the time, they didn't insert themselves into marital situations. Yeah. So, Ben thought he could do whatever he wanted. And he did, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, he didn't work. He had very little money. Um, any money that they actually did have was what Lucinda's parents actually snuck her. Mm. Yeah. Until Boone got on his feet. But... He didn't care. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He became an alcoholic, and Lucinda eventually quit caring about her own life, too. She thought that there's nothing more that you can do to me that's going to be worse than what you've already done. That's awful. Yeah. Um, One night, he ended up getting talked into leaving town for a bit um, to go mining with some friends. And while he was gone, Lucinda found out that she was pregnant. Hmm. So while he was gone, she filed for divorce before he got back. Oh, she's done. Yeah. She's had enough. Right. Uh, Boone had no money to fight it because he didn't do anything. Of course. So he found out that the way she had paid for the divorce was because of Boone's own father. Huh. Yeah. He was, um, he ended up paying for it to make up for his lack of honor. Aww. Yeah. And he gave her enough to support the child too. And it caused them to go bankrupt. Boone's mom and dad to go bankrupt? Yes. They lost everything that they had worked for. They ended up heading back out to Kentucky. And all of his family, like his brothers and sisters, either they married or they headed out west to the gold rush. Or maybe they went to Texas for the oil rush down there. Or sisters were married. Whatever. But the only one that was left was Boone. Was Boone. And he had nothing left. And he stayed in Missouri? Yes. Okay. Yep. By himself. But anyway, he still had a few friends that he would hang out with and drink with. Um, he had a second cousin named Little Berry Shoot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Lit- Little Berry Shoot? Little Berry, I guess. B-U-R-Y. Oh, Little Berry Shoot. Little Berry Shoot? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how I said it. <laughs> this is his second cousin. Uh, he still knew to keep his distance from certain aspects of Boone's life. For example, like he would leave before fights broke out at bars. He didn't act the same, and he didn't condone his behavior. But he well, still associated with them, kind of. Yeah. Um, so Boone ended up wanting to leave Missouri. He either wanted to go to California for the gold rush or Texas where there was also mining. Um, I know there was oil. I don't know other than that. Cause like I said, I know nothing. <laughs> I'm not a history buff. So 
he had an older brother in Texas who was still, who he was still in contact with, and he was doing well there. So he thought that that could give him a leg up All right. so he wouldn't have to work. But he wanted someone to go with him so it would be safer, and he finally convinced his cousin, Little Burry Shute, when he was drunk, and they decided on Texas. He showed up to Littlebury's with all of his stuff packed, and he found out that Littlebury had changed his mind. Littlebury knew not to trust Boone. He knew better. Didn't know why he even agreed to it. He was drunk. He changed his mind. Apparently, Boone asked, what do you say to the Texas question? And Littlebury replied, I say no. So, it ended up happening. Uh, Boone stabbed Littlebury with his Bowie knife in his chest. Yeah, so here is um, one of the many examples. The author here portrays that Boone may have blacked out Mm -hmm. in anger, and he didn't actually realize what he had done until after the fact. But, like I said, all we have are facts, really. They were planning on going to Texas. Littleberry shoot changed his mind. He ended up dead with Boone's Bowie knife in his chest. Oh, he died? Yeah. (laughs) In his heart. Sorry, I should have said that. He was stabbed in his heart. Well, shoot. (laughs) I can't. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I need to move on or I'm going to laugh. Okay. <laughs> so, they were already planning on leaving. Boone stuff was packed. He was ready to go. People knew that they were supposed to be leaving for Texas. And because oh, of that, yeah. it would be a while before anyone discovered the body. Oh, no. So, Boone's thinking, allegedly, I've got my escape plan. Yeah. He took anything that he could find of value maybe hoping (laughs) that they would think it was a robbery and he headed for California instead. But he wasn't very smart in this instance. Uh, He had no experience traveling or in the wilderness at all. He ended up not having enough food or water. He wandered around back and forth, often on the trail to find water, and he also had to keep stopping for long periods so his horse could eat. Mm -hmm. He also didn't take the right road to go to Texas, so people didn't believe that's actually where he was headed. (laughs) Like... How can you be so clever and stupid? But it was also more complicated to find him because he had drifted off the track so much. Um, He eventually was found near Monroe County, which is still in Missouri. But they found his horse was dead and he was tied to a tree. And accordingly, according to the book, sorry, um, Boone was squatted down in a dried out riverbed trying to suck the moisture from the mud. He was almost starved. So he is really going through it out there. Yeah. Uh, Quote, it was more of a rescue than an arrest. (laughs) On the way back, they, it seemed like he had gone mad. He would randomly start laughing and he would talk to himself. No one felt that he was sane at this point. A doctor had examined him to see if it was an act or not. And I guess he believed him because he was sentenced to medical rehab for life. Oh. Yeah. At this point, the people of the town were kind of relieved. Well, yeah. They thought his violent acts were because he was mentally ill, not because he was just a crazed person that was bent on violence. Yeah. So, um, he was sent to an isolated sanatorium in the East. I have no idea where this sanatorium was. Another quote from the book. Sorry, I just really like him. He became a story now that, was, now that he was gone, safe and abstract, something that could never come back to hurt them again. If only that were true. Um, the author, Ryan Green, he speculates that Boone knew that he was dead when he was captured. So he did what he, was necessary to survive. He faked the whole thing. Because once he was in the sanatorium, the asylum, he complied as much as he possibly could while in there um, to, where, to the point where they were lenient with him. They mm-hmm. gave him jobs in the garden that were easier. So it got to the point where he would take a nightly walk with one of the orderlies. They trusted him thought that they had become friends or whatever and every night he would stop behind a tree to use the bathroom and every night he came back they would walk to the edge of the perimeter of the hospital you know every night was never issue well at one point another employee comes up while boone is taking his nightly bathroom break and he stays there behind the tree while the two co-workers are talking uh, the other attendant leaves and the friend of boone's goes to get him but boone is gone Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's a really cunning... He is. He's super cunning. To be in the state that he was in whenever he was found, I mean, he was obviously, like, in the beginning stages of starvation and dehydration, and then he automatically just 
that's I'm going to act like I'm insane. Well, that's why the author feels like he faked it because he constantly talks about how cunning he is. Yeah. And if he's going to do this every night, you know, and gain the trust of this orderly, like, yeah, I'm going to the bathroom, but I'm coming right back to where the orderly, this attendant believes him. Yeah, they have no reason not to trust him. He can't be insane. Mm Mm-mm. So I I agree with the... Mr. Green. I do. So um, nobody found out for a while. The orderly never said anything. What? He didn't want to be held responsible for letting a murderous lunatic off. You know what I mean? That's true. That's why he never said anything. The institution never told anyone either when they found out about it. They didn't want to be the institution that let a crazy maniac. (laughs) Yes. Um, They were worried about consequences for being responsible for letting loose a madman and murderer. Figured he would die out in the wilderness. They never heard that, so they thought they, he may have been eaten by animals. Which wasn't unheard of back then. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't fare well in the wilderness again, but there was a man on his way to California for the gold rush. Came upon him and he helped him. Gave him water, not knowing anything about who he was or anything. Boone ransacked the man's stuff. Oh, good grief. <laughs> the man had to pull Boone off. They ended up getting into a fist fight. Boone played dead until the man went over there and he ended up hitting him in the face with a rock when he got close. And he didn't stop. Mm. He continued hitting him past the point of recognition if anyone had come across the body. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, Boone now had fresh clothes, water, enough supplies for a long trip, money, a tent, and a donkey. And he left Missouri and headed west. Now he's heading west, he gets into Kansas, and he meets some travelers he traded with them. They would trade supplies for money. They traded tobaccos for animals that he'd killed when hunting. Um, But he gets to the point where he would kill lone travelers from a distance and take what he wanted or needed. This dude. Yeah, like, which I don't guess that that was unheard of back then. Yeah. You know, like, you're fending for yourself. Yeah. Um, Days turn in the months with him traveling out there. His supplies ran out. He ended up eating his donkey. That's all he had left. Oh, you know what I mean? So he's starving again. He ends up crossing paths with a hunter. He killed him from the hillside with a rifle. He went to take his belongings and his food. And then he found out that the hunter hadn't killed anything either. So there wasn't any food. So he did all that for nothing. I mean, not that it was a good reason before. Right. But so like he was like on the edge of starvation. You know, he was lying there. He knew he was dying. He knew he needed to eat. If y'all could see the look on her face. Hold on to your britches. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. He crawled over to the corpse of the hunter <gasps> that he had killed. Uh-uh. He cut off a piece. I'm not sure where. He skewered it. Mm. He crawled back to the fire to cook it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He kept going back, took it off more pieces. Oh, my gosh. I just remembered that it's called the Kentucky <laughs> Cannibal. <laughs> I was wondering why you were so surprised. <laughs> I was so invested. I forgot the whole. Well, I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad that Lord. I can intrigue you enough to make you forget the title. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, he kept going back to cut off more pieces uh. to quench his hunger. He knew that's that's what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. He was gonna die if he didn't. Well, not that that can't see that that justifies it. But that's his. That was his mindset. Yeah. Um. He marched on the next day. He ended up heading to California. He made it to California. He had distant cousins that had made their way out there and were doing okay, I guess. They're kind of like Boone, but it was uh, John Hamm. <laughs> Isn't there an actor named John Hamm? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think he's on like a Amazon Prime commercial or something. You know, anyways. I've never Continue, heard of that. Sorry. But anyway, John was one of them. Hamm was another. Oh. Yeah. There's two people. <laughs> and William. His first name was is the, Hamm? Yes, I guess. But it says John Ham and William Johnson. So they were Johnson brothers. John Ham and William. I don't know. Uh, news of what he had done hadn't reached that far yet. This is just talking about when he had killed Little, little Burry Shoot. That news hadn't reached them. Right. So they had no idea. They knew they had a cousin named Boone Helm. But that was it. They, um, like I said, they weren't the best either they were kind of like boone um they had killed people also in gunfights and other things i mean who hasn't yeah not (laughs) back then (laughs) anyway 
Um, they were drinking together at one point whenever they met Boone. And they invited them, and they started drinking together. Um, the cousins start telling stories and bragging about what they had done, who was strongest, whatever. Boone was not impressed, obviously. He wouldn't be. Right. So one of them apparently said, what have you done to roll your eyes at us? It's quoted in more than one source that Boone replied, many's the poor devil I've killed at one time or another, and the time has been that I've obliged to feed on some of them. That shut them up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that when he says this, that that shows that that one man that we know of wasn't the only one. Yeah. Because as far as this story is, that's the only one that we've encountered. Yeah, I'm sure there was more. Yeah. He's a cannibal. Boone ended up kind of taking turns throughout the brothers. They each had their own claim of land. um, And they would mine for money. Even though they would drink and gamble through it, when it ran out, they would go back to work. So, um, and Boone would just kind of take his turn staying with one or the other, helping him spend his money. (laughs) Just couch hopping. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I guess he did end up uh, working with some of them because the miners ended up not liking him either. He would start fights. He killed men just because. Law didn't interfere. The book quotes them as rightful killings that were normal back then. You know, I guess disputes that would end up when one being dead. Yeah. It was always normal, but... It was never Boone, so whatever. (laughs) But anyway, the cousins eventually wanted Boone to leave. They knew that whenever he was coming to work with them, they were going to end up doing his part too. And they didn't want to hear him whining, but they also were kind of afraid of him. So, (laughs) yeah, um, they were tired of him, but they didn't really know what to do. Well, Boone ended up leaving on his own. He had gotten into an argument one night. He approached the man the next day and killed him. And since this was kind of more of a cold-blooded murder, it wasn't in the heat of the moment, the law actually got involved in this one. Well, good. They need to. I guess that was why. That's the best I can think of. But anyway, Boone took it upon himself to leave after this. Um, He thanked his cousins. They played nice, but they were actually really relieved. (laughs) And they found out weeks later, after he had left, what had happened in Missouri. And then they were like, what do we do? Like, do we send news back that he was here? They decided not to say anything. One reason is possibly because they didn't really know. Was that the actual boon that they were with? Yeah. I think they knew better. Mm -hmm. Um, Above all, he was still family, but above that even more, they were afraid of what he would do. If they found out that, or if he found out that they had said anything. Right. So, he goes on to make his way to Oregon. So, this is, he's, you know, fled the law (laughs) again. More Mm -hmm. than, what, I don't even, I've lost track already. Three? I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He's making his way to Oregon, and he meets uh, different settlers and other writers. He's storytelling along the way, all of his horrible acts that he's done, which I actually find is interesting because that's kind of how we know a lot of his story, because there's handwritten accounts, handwritten accounts of what stories Boone told other people, which I will post a link to those that I found, but it's, it's pretty cool. Everything we know about him is because he, he went and told everybody what he did. <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess what I did last Tuesday. Uh, with all of his storytelling, he probably convinced many of these other writers um, not to rob or kill him with his horrible acts of violence that he described. Uh, six men ended up staying with him. Uh, they became this gang of murderous bandits. Uh, they would bury largest spoils that they came across or stole um, to get later so they didn't have to carry everything. And as for the bodies, they left them. They didn't care. So they would steal, like, a butt ton of stuff and then bury some of it so they didn't carry all of the stuff that they stole and then they'd come back and get it? Yeah. Well, like, they couldn't carry all of it. So they're stealing more than they can even carry. Yeah. Like, okay. They just want to live an easy life. Mm. They want to kill and murder and steal to get what they can have so they don't have to work ever and they can just lounge about, lay to drink whatever bums um quote from the book the stench of decay marked the way houses where they'd stayed and bones littered the roads of oregon dang that's dark yeah oftentimes they would go to the dale city which is the northern part of oregon close to the border of washington as far as i know (laughs) um they would go there to drink and hang out and they never thought news of what they were doing would go that far but it did. The sheriff noticed 
men that would come into town richer than they should be. And he heard about six murderous thieves causing chaos in the frontier. Mm-hmm. So he sent, he put two and two together. He sent out men to try to find evidence against Boone and his gang. Uh, the sheriff's men didn't keep quiet, though, and Boone's men, Boone and his men ended up finding out, and they left. Sheriff didn't care as long as they were gone. Mm, as long yeah. as they weren't in his town. Right. So Boone escapes the law again. Okay, so they decide to head to the Utah Territory. The states were different. I don't think Nevada was even a state yet. Oh. So the Utah Terry was like from territory. <laughs> the Utah Terry. Utah Terry. Territory. I love it. Started... In California, like the edge of California, like where Nevada is, and went that way. That's so weird to think about that. I couldn't find a map that just like flat out said, hey, here's what it looked like. Hmm. That's my speculation. If anybody knows, you're more than welcome to let us know. Uh, so they set out for Utah, and they said they left out in October of 1859. Okay. Um, they had decided they would go to Camp Floyd, which is about 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, after that, then they would go on to the Comstock Lode, which is a large amount of silver that had been discovered and mined, just like the California Gold Rush. So, the Utah Territory was under Mormon leadership, and the Mormons wouldn't care about what they did as long as it wasn't against someone of their religion. So, they thought that they would kind of have free reign out there. Yeah. Along with silver. Um, they crossed the Grand Ronde, or Ronde River. Don't know. I don't know why you looked at me. I forgot to look that one up. It happens. Anyway, they Mm. headed towards Snake River, which starts in Wyoming. It flows all the way across southern Idaho and runs along the border of Oregon and Idaho. And it ends up in Washington. It's huge. Like I said, I don't believe Idaho was a state then. And I think that they were actually in the middle of Oregon, which is what is now Mm. the border of Idaho and Oregon. They were there, as far as I know. (laughs) They were... Where well, they if were. anybody is over there and lives like close to the Snake River, they can be like, that's where they were. They were right there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so they were crossing the Raft River. Raft <laughs> River. I apologize. <laughs> you know how many times I messed up last I know. time. So you're good. So um, anyway, as they were crossing this Raft River, um, they started getting shot at. They made it across the river and no shots hit them. Um, it ended up being the Maidu tribe of Native Americans. They were known as Digger Indians, and apparently they had passed into their tort territory. Their territory. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my! God. I'm just gonna say area or something. Or not. They had passed <laughs> into their territory, and that was enough for the Native Americans to open fire on them. Oh yeah. So that was it. So one of Boone's men's shots hit the horse of the Maidu's leader. Oh. And he went down. The rest of them stopped to make sure he was okay, and Boone and his men ended up getting ahead. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, they stopped to sleep when they got to the Bannock River. Um, don't don't know where that was. I tried. Guys, could try to find it. Couldn't. Well, that's the only one I wanted to know where it was. Well, I could tell you what <laughs> I think I found, but I don't <laughs> think it's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, so... They stopped to sleep there. Two men stood guard. Um, during the night, one man that stood watch was murdered. His throat was slit. One of the horses was gone. It was one of the Digger Indians. Mm. Yeah, they had crept along the riverbed like a ghost and slit their throat. And even the other man that stood guard didn't even know. That's how sneaky they were. So they knew they ended, they'd, my bad. They had to get out of that area before they would be safe so they crossed the river they went to the hills for cover instead of the open lands but it started snowing and they were getting lost well boone ain't gonna be no help (laughs) you don't know where he's going right um well i'll tell you boone ended up getting some experience so you need to just stop (laughs) (laughs) they came upon the bear river um which is now idaho They followed it up to Soda Springs, which is a very well-known city over there. Um, They were going to resupply there, but when they got there, it was abandoned for the winter. So they continued to follow the Bear River. The weather kept getting worse. They got to Thomas Fork, which is about 40 miles southeast of Soda Springs. So they had traveled another 40 miles along that river. That was also abandoned, but they decided to stay there for the winter. 
Okay. Um, because <laughs> they were running out of places to go. <laughs> and the weather was getting horrible. So um, while they were at Thomas Fork in this abandoned hunting cabin, um, their supplies ran out. They ended up slaughtering their horses and eating mm. those for meat. I don't like this. I'm sorry. They needed to eat, so that's what they did. Mm. Um, they made snowshoes out of their hides, and they knew they couldn't stay there any longer. So they headed back out toward Fort Hall, which is over 100 miles northwest of Thomas Fork, back through Soda Springs. Good grief. Yeah. I mean, this is insane. All through this crazy blizzard of a storm. Mm-mm. They make it back to Soda Springs. They stop there to shelter themselves just for a little bit, but Boone left without telling them. He knew they're not going to make it. I'm strong. I can do it. They're going to hold me back. So, so he left all of them there? Yeah, he left. Well, that doesn't sound like him. Really? <laughs> Does it, though? <laughs> anyway, um, one of the men, Burton, um, he ended up following him. The others tried to follow, but they didn't make it. Mm. Um, hypothermia and stuff. The only other name or the only name of any of the other men that is recorded is Burton. Hmm. The book says some articles of their clothing would be found near the trail once a thaw swept through, but of their bodies, there was no trace. Whether they were taken by the cold, by the diggers, or by some beast will remain a mystery. Even their names have been lost to time, with only the vaguest descriptions of them surviving the ravages of time from the complaints filed about them. That's how they found out about who they were. Mm. Just because they knew that there were other men traveling with Boone. That's sad. Yeah. like I mean, I know they were, you know, they were murderers and robbers and whatever, but. Um, they were almost to Fort Hall. Uh, Burton couldn't go on anymore. He ended up falling out there right before they get there. But Fort Hall was also abandoned. Ain't nobody nowhere. Yeah. Um, they could stay warm and dry with shelter and firewood, but there was no food once again. I'm so, scared. They would have starved. So, Boone went back for Burton. He drug him into one of the buildings, and Burton thought Boone had saved them both. He thought he came back for me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he thoughts, did, didn't he? thoughts are speculations, right? Burton woke up after he had been drugged into the building that he was staying in. He woke up after he got warm and everything, because he was like about to die from hypothermia. Mm-hmm. He woke up with Boone leaning over him with his Bowie knife. Mm-hmm. He sawed down to the bone of his leg, and he broke the bone by stomping on it. He was alive? Yeah, he oh. was alive. Oh. Yep. Oh, my femur. He tied a belt around Burton's leg so he wouldn't die. <laughs> she needs a minute. <laughs> Look, because he wants him to be fresh. I didn't even think that oh, at first. Because I'm not, I'm not like, like that. Not that you're horrible or nothing like that (laughs) but I don't you know yeah I didn't my mind didn't go there first after everything that they had been through Boone should have cared more than he did and after all the time they spent together but apparently he even offered some to Burton (gasps) (laughs) but Burton knew the only way to stay alive was to eat (laughs) now this is in the this is in the book I can't I feel like I can't say for sure that that happened though you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because how do we know that? Unless Burton said, I guess, I mean, Boone could have, on his storytelling, said, hey, I even gave this man some of his own leg. Uh, I don't know. I bet he did it. I wouldn't doubt it. Keep him alive. Right? Could you do that? No. I don't think I could. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. Lord, just take me. Yes. Anyway, um... He also knew that if he was going to make it out alive, Boone couldn't. Because after everything Boone had done to him, there was no way he was going to let him live. Mm. Boone would often make trips out to get more firewood. And he left Burton's pistol on a table. So Burton was planning to kill Boone and try to escape somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, He tries to figure out how much time he would have while Boone was gone. How can I do this? Yeah. Burton finally makes it over to the table with one leg sawed off Mm-mm. um he realized the revolver only had one bullet in it and apparently back then i think i've said those words like 15 times mm-hmm. they didn't shoot straight i didn't know that that's why people liked revolvers because of all the shots they held kind of made up for the fact that they didn't couldn't really aim. they were crap <laughs> yeah so if he was gonna kill him it was gonna have to be point blank and he didn't know how he was yeah. gonna do that 
unless he crawled all the way back over to where he was with the pistol and, like, erased all evidence that he had even crawled over there. The blood, the rags, all of it, with the leg cut off. He's, he's not going to be able to do that. No. Because as soon as he wipes something away, there's going to be more blood right there where he was wiping it. Well, yeah, I mean, and he had to do it without passing out <laughs> from pain. True. So, <laughs> he knew that he wouldn't be able to do that. So, he decided it wasn't worth it, and he shot himself. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Oh, Barton. Now, I don't know. Like I said, Ryan Green knows what he's talking about. But the all the other stuff that I read just said that Boone heard a shot, went back, and saw that he shot himself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Boone had heard the shot. He found out what had happened. He thought Burton was just too weak to last. And according to Ryan Green, he was angry that his fresh supply of meat was now ruined. Well, of course he was angry. I said hangry. <laughs> I didn't even mean to. <laughs> That's so awful. Perfect, oh. though. Oh, he's hangry. That is... He's angry. <laughs> anyway, now he had to move on. Mm-hmm. He was hoping to stay there the rest of the time with his fresh supply of meat. Anyway, he cuts off his other leg. While he's dead now, he packs it up, packs his stuff up, and he leaves. I say he just throw it over his shoulder. They basically did, probably. Now Boone is kind of unheard of for a little bit. They don't have any really recordings or instances of anything that happened for a while. Because he died. No. <laughs> um, he ended up making his way to Salt Lake City. And he stumbled into a Shoshone camp. Native Americans. He was lucky that they didn't kill him immediately. They thought that he was insane based on how he looked and acted. He was cutting it close again for survival. Mm-hmm. So they felt sorry for him. They offered him food and a blanket and he stayed there for a few days with them. There is a trader from Trader, not T.R., A-I-T-O-R. Yes, T-E-R. He was a trader. Der. (laughs) From Salt Lake City. Um, His name was John W. Powell, and he would, I guess, trade with the Shoshone frequently, whatever. Shoshone. Yeah, I had to look it up because I was was saying Shoshone (laughs) in my head. Shoshone. (laughs) Shoshone. That's how I was saying it. So, there you go. Shoshone. Shoshone. So, John W. Powell, he felt sorry for Boone also. He was in really bad shape. He also felt sorry for the Shoshone because they were the ones kind of putting up with him. Yeah. So, um, he had the Shoshone add a few more furs to his trade, and he took care of Boone for them. Took them off his hands. Yeah. He was kind to Boone. The book says that Boone didn't speak much of it at all to John Powell during this time, but I that's kind of confusing to me because one of the written accounts I have is from John W. Powell. So. It sounded like you said John W. Sorry. Anyway, they separated when they were almost to Salt Lake City. John expected Boone to thank him for all that he'd done for him or at least say something, but he didn't. He just left. And John was speechless and just stood there instead of shouting out anything, showing his frustration. And, quote, that silence saved his life. Yeah, I was about to say, at least he's, at least he lived. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Salt Lake City, Boone ended up getting into a bar fight here, and he ended up in a Mormon's basement. Well. Yeah. So, and but they catered to him. And they eventually hired him to get rid of some of the people that were causing trouble for them. They didn't condone violence themselves, but they were okay they hiring Boone. somebody else. Yes. So, the first guy he killed for them, he came up behind him, he shot him in the neck. Ugh. The second guy, he heard about the first guy, like, right before encountering Boone in the street. Then he turned around and started to run. Quote, most of his, most of Boone's shots missed. Enough of them did not. Mm. Yep. Quick question. Yeah. Do you know how old he is? He was 31 when they left Oregon, so I couldn't tell you how long after this. Okay, so he's... It was after the winter, but he also wasn't heard from for a while either, so... He's at least 31. Yeah. Okay. That's just one. <laughs> um, because he was so open about committing the murders, and he wasn't really sneaky at all, the Mormons didn't like that. Like, <laughs> you can kill people for us, but you got to keep it on the down low. Yeah. They ended up running him out, and here he was off wondering again. Mm-hmm. He ended up in a militia. There's a The book says it was a mercenary militia. 
they were kind of the same as Boone, but not. Because Boone, like, always seems to be worse. He's worse than everybody. Yeah. He's the worst. Yep. So, at the time, they were at war with the Ute Native Americans, whose territory was really vast. It went um, all the way out to Colorado, which is where they went. So, that's where Boone ended up next. Even here, they got tired of him because um, apparently he would mutilate the bodies of women. Uh-huh. So, that was just too much for them. So, they kicked him out, too. I and they too. ended up kicking out another man who they didn't like, too. He still tracked the Ute for a while. He got bored because he missed the life he had in Oregon. Days of drinking and being lazy. Mm-hmm. This was all too much work. Right. So, both of these men headed to Canada. Um, I don't know who this other man was. Um, they were planning to go to Caribou, which is a region in the British in British Columbia, which is the western province of Canada. So they're heading up there now. They had heard of gold dust that was being mined up there, and it was better because it was lighter and they could carry a lot. Mm-hmm. Huge amount of money without carrying a lot of stuff. Yeah. So they stopped in a town called Antler Creek, which is still in it's in Caribou. So they made it there. They had heard about miners that had been there that morning, that were planning on stopping at Quesnel Forks still in Caribou, before leaving again to trade their gold dust. Um, So that's what Boone and this new companion went after. The miners, these so-called miners, were, I forgot to look this one up, Sokolowski or Sokolowski. I like Sokolowski. Okay, so we'll call them Sokolowski. If I'm wrong, you're more than welcome to correct me. (laughs) So um, there were other two Frenchmen, two other Frenchmen that were accompanying him, and I don't have their names. At this time, there were two other miners, W.T. Collinson and Irish Tommy, who had also been at Antler Creek, too. Um, These two miners left July 18th, 1862. This is almost three years Mm -hmm. after Boone and his bandits left for Utah. So he's about... 34. About 34. Now we know. These two miners, Collinson and Tommy, they had quite a bit of gold dust hidden, mm-hmm. uh, like, on their person. But they also had a bag of coins to deter possible bandits away from the dust. Mm-hmm. Collinson and Tommy ended up meeting up with Sokolowski and the Frenchman. They had a huge load of gold with them. Um, they rode together for a while. They thought it was safer that way. Yeah. Um, they ended up stopping at Keithley Creek to eat and rest this was about 40 50 sorry miles south of antler creek so they went with them about 50 miles they decided to stop but collinson and tommy kept going about three more miles okay they didn't stay with those three um they found shelter in some hills three miles up okay it's kind of confusing because there's like so many people we'll get through it okay (laughs) so back at keithley creek where sokolowski and his two men were Boone had found them. Those were the miners he had heard about mm-hmm. that he wanted to take, take their, their stuff. Gold yes. He gunned them down. Mm. Um, he killed all three of them and their horses. Why the horses? <laughs> it's funny because the book says that the men would hide behind the horses, Mm-mm. thinking that bandits would want their horse. Yeah. But Boone didn't care. Ugh. It's like it's all the same to me. They ended up burying all of the gold and wealth there somewhere along that road to reclaim it later because it was too much to carry. Apparently, there was more than $30,000 worth of gold and stuff there, which is a lot now. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say $30,000 back then in the 1800s. Yep. So they buried all of that there to go back and get it somewhere along that road. I guess they met up with them before they even made it into Keithley Creek. Keithley Creek was a town. Okay. Yeah. Some of the stuff is creeks, but they're towns. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. So, um, they ended up leaving the bodies there. Mm. They buried the treasure. They traveled on to Questnell Forks, and they had to have gone by Collinson and Tommy in their little hidden hill thing there. Yeah. They didn't even know. But they ended up in Questnell Forks not that much later than Boone and his partner. So, Tommy and Collinson noticed the three men being brought into town on stretchers. They have multiple gunshot wounds, and they each have a bullet wound on their foreheads. Mm. Later on, a man comes into that town. He warns them that Boone Helm had been seen leaving Antler Creek, so they knew that he had done it. 
yeah. killed, d- committed those murders. They put a $700 bounty on him. There's a boy working uh, where Boone and his friend, whatever, was staying at. He burst into his room with the pistol because he wants that $700 yeah. bounty. But Boone was already gone. Agreed. They saw the bodies coming in and they jumped. Mm-hmm. They left. Sokolowski, um, he was buried just outside the churchyard in Quesnel Forks. And the Frenchmen were buried in unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're still there. Hmm. Yep. In Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> there were men in Quesnel Forks. Um, that were set on tracking down Boone. They headed out to look for him. Collinson and Tommy didn't quite care enough to try to find them, so they went a different way. They tried to cover as much distance as possible. They made it just a few miles away from the Cook and Kimball Ferry to Little Bloody Run. I don't know where that's at. (laughs) At Little Bloody Run, uh, Collinson hears, throw up your hands, and he turns to see a gunshot aimed at his face and Boone Helm at the other end. Not Boone. Yeah. Uh, Boone's partner takes their guns and ammunition. They end up reloading their weapons, so they may very well have been out of bullets and ammunition. But anyway, after that, he tosses their empty weapons back to them, and he says, get and don't look back. I don't know why he why they lived. Did you say they may have been out of ammunition? Yeah. I mean, they may Boone have is, been if they killed the horses, they killed those three guys, right? Yeah. So Whoever else they killed on their way to find them. Yeah, the other 18 people. No telling. <laughs> but anyway, um, Collinson and Irish Tommy, um, they went to the law and they filed their complaints, but it wouldn't do any good. Communication back then wasn't good enough or fast enough. Boone was gone again. Gone again? Oh, no, I knew you would do that. <laughs> awesome. Where the Nightmare Before Christmas fans at? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now Boone and his companion, whatever, have made it to Victoria, which is close to Vancouver, kind of close to Washington State. Okay. So no one here knew who he was. He went to the saloon. He was able to use a tab. Um, Tom came to pay up, and Boone threw a fit. A uh, bartender uh, sent a boy <laughs> to get the sheriff. This was Sergeant Blake. He realized the name was familiar in connection with a murder at Salmon, Salmon, <laughs> Salmon River, Florence. Um, the author doesn't talk about this one, so I don't know what murder this one is. Yeah. Sergeant Blake arrests him. He is able to hold him for three days before charging him with anything. He's sending letters trying to get people to testify against Boone or to find evidence. Um, but nothing came back. Yeah, Boone, ain't nobody going to testify against him. They're all terrified of him. Yeah. Well, I he, don't understand why. <laughs> well, he didn't know. It's everything slow then, too. I mean, three yeah. days. So, But Boone somehow ended up with a really good lawyer. I guess he promised to pay him. Blake turned to his partner to question him i mean they know he's weaker than boone (laughs) Mm -hmm. but crazy part um apparently the wildlife didn't treat him very well at all he was really weak physically interrogation back then involved physical force Mm -hmm. and apparently quote one smack to the head had been one too many they killed him yes right wow i don't i think it was just honest i don't think that it was anything intentional but yeah he ended up dying. Well. Um, <laughs> Boone's lawyer um, ended up making this case that there was some conspiracy between the lawmen that they were just trying to destroy Boone Helm, had a prejudice against him. So during a recess of this case, um, Blake approaches the judge. He asks him if he could hold him for a month because he was sure that more evidence would come in mm-hmm. or any evidence would come in. Um, so the only thing for sure that Boone had done at the time was not pay his bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the only thing they knew. Um, he posted a bill of $50. If Boone could pay that, then he could go free. If not, they would jail him for a month. He had the lawyer. He should have $50 to pay the bill. Yeah. Bond, bill, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, Blake, at this point, was irate. He was going to go free. That was it. But Boone didn't have the money. <laughs> so he was jailed for one month. And he had to do really hard labor to, like, he, I think I said he worked on a chain gang like where they're all chained together chain game. I I'd never heard of it I bet Deidre knows that song probably <laughs> uh but anyway so he worked on that um to pay for the lawyer and the saloon that he owed I bet he really enjoyed that hard labor I know book says he loathed it <laughs> <laughs> loathed entirely yes 
the Grinch. <laughs> I know. I was going to say it. I was like, I won't, I won't do it. Uh, Blake waited for news of more crimes that he had done to come. Uh, he was wanting an extradition demand. Like, get him out. Send him here. Nothing did during, nothing came during those four weeks that he was in there. Boone was released with another prisoner named Dirty Harris. Three days later, Blake received an extradition request. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Free again. So he decides to ride with Dirty Harris. Um, they're going through Sumas or Sumas. I don't know. It's near Vancouver. It's the springtime now of 1863. They're standing in the street, and they see W.T. Collinson. Huh. So Collinson had spent the winter in this city. He became friends with many of the people there. And they were in front of what was basically the police station. So, Boone knew that they would be in a heck of a lot of trouble if they started something there. Yeah. So, um, he didn't with, just shoot him. No. <laughs> so, they turned and left. So, Collinson, he ended up heading for Fort Yale to the British authorities to report what happened that he had seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that they knew where he, they were going to be headed. So, it was just a matter of time. They found no trace of him. Weeks go by. Then, hunters reported two men walking along a riverbed, but it wasn't dried up. It was actually at least waist high. Hmm. So, the British authorities believed that it was Boone and Dirty Harris using the river to conceal their tracks. Mm. That's why they couldn't find him. So, they finally found Boone. Didn't find Dirty Harris anywhere. Boone surrendered. Another rescue, it seemed. He was starving again. You know? Shocker. Right. Um, When asked about Dirty Harris, Boone replied, quote, why do you suppose that I'm full enough to starve to death when I can help it? I ate him up, of course. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I ate him up, of course? That's what it says. So. He's just so, like, chill about it. Um, They go back to Fort Yale. Uh, Mr. Bradian, he's a special agent of the American government. He met them to keep watch of Boone and escort him back to the United States to stand trial. They ride back to Victoria. He's there for a few days. Then they go to Port Townsend, which is like the northwestern most part of Washington. They're in the U.S. again. Okay. So, Brady and warns them to keep an eye on Boone. Do they? No. Dang it. They do not. <laughs> they couldn't do the massive amount of prisoners. <sighs> he was able to get a knife somehow, and he snuck a trowel from the garden. He ends What's up a de- trowel? Like a little shovel, garden okay. shovel. Okay. Sorry, I knew that. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't. <laughs> if you're never told, you never know. So exactly, you sorry. Didn't frog in your throat, right? We grew up together. I What's didn't know how that? to say Shoshone. 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 Anyway, okay. So he ends up digging up the floor of his cell, and he escapes, and he wasn't noticed for days. Bye. <laughs> so from here, he travels south. Obviously, he's in Washington. He's not. I guess he's not going to go back up to he Canada. Back up here. So. Um, I'm assuming he's killing and looting as he goes. Um, he's gaining supplies and weapons. He gets a horse. Comes back into California. He finds out there that people actually know who he is. And they know that he had escaped from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hiding in a haystack close to San Francisco. A haystack? Yeah. He's just trying to avoid the law. Everybody knows who he is now. He's They're like, trying to find a boon in a haystack. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, looking for a boon in a haystack. He hid in ditches, too. Well, that's this, not as funny. Boone in a ditch? Yeah, I guess not. Okay, <laughs> anyway. So, he was found by a rancher there, but he didn't turn him in. Apparently, he was not much different than Boone. He had a history of violence, too. Anyway, he gave him shelter. He took care of him. Boone ends up staying there for weeks, and then he gets bored. He wants everything. He walks in on the rancher while he's sleeping. Mm-mm. Shoots him multiple times. And he takes what he wants and he leaves. Like, he's he's so heartless. No, he These people who him. help him and he just like, okay, well, I'm done. Bye. Oh, let me shoot you first. Ain't no thing. Yeah. Um, he decides to go back to Oregon. Back to his glory days, I think, is what he perceives them as. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he gets there, he finds that everything's different. Everything's become more civilized. There's no more back roads to prey on. Um, he still went on killing. No one knows his name here, but he still gets a reputation. So I'm sure it didn't take long. Yeah. So he ends up finding his way to Florence, Oregon. Um, some people knew him there from the last time he was there, apparently. They wanted a man named Dutch Fred taken care of. Dutch Fred um, was called chief by a lot of people. He would often help the sheriff calm down fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't perfect by any means. 
But overall, he was a good man. Yeah. But he was strong. He ended up, They used it to their advantage. Yeah, he ended up pretty much winning every fight that people would pick with him because he was the biggest, Mm -hmm. or because he was really strong. He was kind of like Boone, but he had a better moral compass than Boone. Right. So, um, Boone agreed to get rid of him for a price. Um, He comes into the saloon that Dutch is always in. Um, He starts throwing threats and insults his way. Um, He ignores it for a little while, and he finally turns around to see Boone. He's got a revolver. Dutch has a Bowie knife. They start wrestling. Other people jump in, and they take both Dutch and Boone to the ground, and their weapons are knocked loose. And after that, there's not much fight. So Boone basically apologized to Dutch, and he leaves. Yeah. He's like, oh, crap, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think that um, him being as clever as he is, though, he, he knows that he can't do nothing right now. Yeah. I don't think he's much without his gun either. No. Um, Boone comes back hours later, like early in the morning. Dutch is still there. A lot of people are still there mm-hmm. drinking and gambling or whatever. Um, he asks the bartender politely for his revolver back. He said he was leaving town, and he promised to go quietly. He gives him back his gun. You know, they don't know who he is here. As Boone is leaving, he raises his gun up to Dutch, and he pulls the trigger. He misses Dutch. Um, Dutch stands up. Uh, he puts his hands across his chest. Uh, Boone shoots again, and the shot goes through Dutch Fred's chest, through his heart. Dang. So, Dutch Fred is dead. Good so, grief. Um, he goes to collect his money. These people won't pay him. They <laughs> act like they don't know him. Like he's never even heard his name. A uh, sheriff shows up and Boone flees to Canada again. Oh my gosh. But now there are bounty hunters at the border. And they bring, they actually catch him. <laughs> they bring him back to Portland, Oregon, waiting to be sent back to Florence. And there in Portland, he is in jail for six months. After six months, he's brought out. They try to have a case against him. They don't think it's going to be hard because everybody there saw what happened. Yeah. Okay. Come to find out, there were no witnesses for the case. Nobody came forward. Are you serious? Yes. So, didn't know how it happened, but come to find out, while Boone was in jail, he wrote to his older brother who lived in Texas. The one that he was originally planning on going to stay with whenever he first wanted to leave Missouri. Mm Mm-hmm. He writes this, these letters to him at begging for his help, asking him to come save me. This is not what happened, you know. Mm. But all these witnesses saw what happened. So he either bribed them or scared Threatened them yeah. into silence. Um, his brother was old Tex. <laughs> um, don't know if that's his real name. That's all I have. <laughs> if it is, it's whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so old Tex, I don't think he, you know, actually threatens anybody but he has muscle yeah if so he can intimidate him enough yeah like so if people didn't need the money he scared him yeah all these people were either bought or scared in silence so they had no choice but to let boone go fantastic yes case fell apart they couldn't do anything so they end up heading south from florence with him and his brother um his brother tries to convince boone to change He's mm-hmm. like, dude, you have two options. If you don't change, you're going to end up either dead by getting hanged or you're going to end up dead by, you know, somebody murdering you. Mm-hmm. So he offers him to come work with him in Texas. They can basically kind of co-own his company that he works. I can't say if he owns it, but he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. So he's basically offering him that. Um, he would also kind of help him. Boone would also kind of help old Tex. Kind of like if things kind of went sideways with traitors or something like that, he had been help. Care of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but he would also be able to retire and basically just live lazy like he wanted to. The second option he offered him was to work for the Confederate Army. Hmm. He actually had a liking to Jefferson Davis, so he thought that that might persuade him. You know, you can yeah do your own killing, but without the illegal side of it. Exactly. Um, Boone didn't want to do either. because to him that would still be him working under his brother or doing what his brother said he didn't want to do what anybody said he just told him that he hadn't decided yet blah 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 um whenever they got to idaho while they're sleeping boone leaves Mm -hmm. he takes one horse just to get away he doesn't kill anybody he just leaves now once again he's wondering He's the wanderer. <laughs> That's a song. It's a real song. Uh, 
Dean Martin has a really good version of that song. Does he? He does. Um, Boone ends up making his way, I want to say west. I don't know. He ends <laughs> up in Montana. From Idaho? Yes. That's west. That would be Montana's east of Idaho. Is it? Mm-hmm. See? Maps, man. So he ends up in Montana. <laughs> He's recorded to have killed, you know, a few men and robbed some well, robs a few on, on the way anyway i feel like montana at this point is kind of like oregon was when he ran those roads oh okay yeah it's not as civilized here mm-hmm. like it was in oregon so you get away with a lot more here yes there was a gang here that ran these roads called the innocents all of this takes place in like the western kind of place spot of oh my gosh area of montana now okay so these innocents ran these roads. They remind me a lot of what Boone and his gang did in Oregon. Okay. But this was a lot bigger than Boone and his six bandits. This was like a whole gang. Very few people knew who the leader was. They knew who their superior was, but only a select few knew who ran the whole thing. Hmm. So Boone is going through these roads, doing his thing, being brutal, killing, stealing, whatever. They catch the atten- he catches the attention of these innocents. Mm-hmm. They don't really catch him, but they kind of um, interfere with him. And they kind of put him off to the side of the road. And they're like, what do we do with him? They know that he the decision on what to do with him is bigger than them. So they decide it needs somebody else needs to decide. Because they Take run the, the roads. Yeah. So um, he is brought in with them to their, like, headquarters. And they said that... He's going to meet their boss. Mm-hmm. And they explain it kind of like it's going to be kind of like an interview. Whether they're going to decide whether you stay or whether you go. And whether you go might be dead. I don't know. So they ride into this town of Bannock, Montana. Which there is a Bannock State Park in southwestern Montana. And it is now a ghost town. It's abandoned Wild West, but you can still go there and see, like, even the original saloon and stuff. The stuff that has been restored. Cool. So, like, that's on my bucket list. I would like to go there. Mm-hmm. Bannock, Montana. So, when they get into this town, the sheriff of the town meets them, too. And he's just being friendly. He just, um, thinking, like, the sheriff doesn't know that these guys are part of that gang or whatever. Yeah. And Boone's thinking, okay, sheriff is here. If anything goes wrong... Because they don't know who Boone is right now. Yeah. Apparently. They go into the bar there, the saloon. They're drinking, laughing it up. Boone is doing his storytelling mm. about everything that he's done. Stupid. He thinks he's just talking to the guys. He's waiting for this boss to show up. And then at the end of the night, he realizes that the person sitting across from him is the sheriff. So he ends up waking up the next morning in a jail cell. But the jail cell is unlocked. The person who took him there was the sheriff. The sheriff's name is Henry Plummer. He is the leader of the Innocents. Uh-uh. Now. <laughs> right? He's the leader. He loved Boone. He gets, you know, this reputation. You know, he's he's praised here. He's not too crazy for them. You know what I mean? He's not too out there for him. No, he fits right in. Yeah. Um, There are people that are in Bannock, Montana, that realize that the law is not going to do anything to help them. Mm-hmm. So, they form their own group um, called the Vigilance Committee of Alder Gulch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was formed in December 1863. Yeah, they weren't bound by the law because they were just, they created themselves. Yeah. Basically, they were vigilantes, like literally. Yeah. Civilian. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so, because they weren't actually legal men doing law's work, they kind of began to get names kind of like an unconditional kind of way they were kind of probably torturing people but anyway names started coming up they were beating people up pretty much but some people still weren't giving out names who they thought were like the leader so then they started hanging men wow. that they knew were involved uh, men that they pointed to and then once they started actually hanging men henry Plummer's name came up they gonna so, hang the sheriff uh they're gonna hang the sheriff oh um, so after these names start coming out, um, they set out to arrest Plummer. They set out to arrest his gang. Um, the man, a man named George Lane was the first guy to get hanged. He didn't accuse the sheriff. 
but um, Plummer was captured, was arrested on January 10th of 1864. Okay. Uh, four days after that, Boone was arrested in Virginia City, which is still in kind of in the same area, but for a little further away. Apparently, three of the vigilantes from the committee kind of crept up on him and took him. And he apparently made a quote about how that if he would have known anything about it, like they would never have been able to do that. There were three other men that were in the cell when uh, Boone was brought in. One was Carter, one was Zachary, and one was three-fingered Jack Gallagher. <laughs> Boone was brought out to stand trial, and they brought them out brought them out separately, obviously. Uh, Boone started accusing three-fingered Jack of committing the crimes that he was accused of. It is recorded that 3,000 people turned up to watch the execution. Um, these were very unsophisticated gallows. Their necks didn't snap right off. Mm. No force. Um, Three-fingered Jack went first, and it is reported that Boone said, Kick away, old fellow. It's my turn next. I'll be in hell with you in a minute. Good grief. So, yeah. When it was his turn, he didn't allow them to kick his box from underneath him. He shouted out, Every man for his principles. Hurrah for Jeff Davis. Let her rip. And he jumped off his box. Of course he did. <laughs> He's such a drama queen. Um, that force caused his neck to snap. So that was it. But his apparently his body rocked back and hit the other man, the last man, Zachary, from his. So he knocked him off and it wasn't enough force to, to break his neck. So he, yeah. Oh my gosh. So he just dominoed this dude for him to dangle. I'm done. Okay, so... That's awful. So, one last quote I've got. Even in death, Boone rained destruction down on all around him. Yep. <laughs> Boone's body is buried in Boot Hill Cemetery. His grave can still be viewed. Plummer was hanged shortly after that, after Boone's death, on his own scaffold that he was working to build as a sheriff. Uh-uh. Yep. Dang. So, that was the end of the innocence, finally, after I don't know how long that they reigned. The uh, Vigilance Committee continued until, like, an actual law could be established out in Montana. Mm -hmm. And after that, they're like, take it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Good grief. Oh, Boone, finally. My bad. Got kick, caught after everything. Kick, kicked a bucket. Kicked the box. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. So. Lord. Boone be crazy. Yeah. I mean, he had his life made by now. Mm -hmm. And these vigilantes from Montana that had had enough are like, we're coming after you. Civilian justice. But if you have any thoughts on this case, case suggestions, corrections, personal stories, corrections. Open for those. <laughs> nicely. You can send those to our email at relativelydarkpodcast at gmail.com. I will upload a few pictures there's probably not a lot. <laughs> There's not a lot. I mean, this was 1860 <laughs> something. So, uh, but I will. And then I will post the link. Um, In the show notes. Yep. Hope you enjoyed this one. I did. I know it was kind of grotesque. I've heard worse. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. Come again. Come again. Bye. Bye.